theyeshiva.net. There are marriages in which there's a lot of love, but there's no respect. There are marriages in which there's a lot of respect, there's no love. And there are marriages that have both, and I don't want to say, but there are marriages that lack both. What does a marriage that has love, that has love but no respect, what does it look like? <laughs> it doesn't always look like love, even though there's a lot of love. Love comes very often when people get married, they'll always say, he's just like me, I'm just like him. Okay, come back in 10 years. Often, that's what people say, he finishes my sentence, and she finishes my sentence, we understand each other, we get each other, it's like we grew up together. Great. And you know what? It's awesome. Ahava, echad, oneness. But that's not enough. And the reason it's not enough is because what's going to happen is when their differences come out, that's going to challenge the sense of oneness. Suddenly they're going to see, we're not one. We have some differences. We have similarities, but we have differences. If you could live your whole life mamish as one, you always enjoy and like the same things, great. But generally men and women are opposites. And even two men and two women, everybody has their own stuff, their own personalities going on. It's in small things and big things. Small things could mean that you leave the light open at night in the room. I thought that was small things. Okay, it's big, fine. Or does the light have to be off? He's like, I have to read. I can't go to sleep. Milchika restaurants, Fleischika restaurants. Is that also big? Okay, I don't mean to tread on sensitive ground. I don't want to be a bull in a china shop. Right. Do the Venetian blinds stay open or must they be closed? One perspective is we live in an open world. I want to see the world. I want is privacy, privacy. Everybody sees what you look like, you idiot. Close the Venetian blinds, especially when you come, whatever. I'm not going to finish all the sentences here. I do have a video machine installed in many homes. I'm just joking. So, so you do have the, right? You're not the same. And those are small stuff. Then you have a lot of other differences. There are artists and business people. There are AM people and FM people. You know the difference? You still listen to the radio in the car or that's over? That's gone. Yeah? You remember? There's FM people. They're always like on 106.7. <laughs> And then there are AM people. The world is coming to an end within the next 12 minutes as long as Trump is president. With Limbo or Savage or the News or 22 Minutes or this one or, or NPR, what are those? Uh, NPR, they try to be sweet, but their world is also coming to an end. It's a different personality. Some people live on AM radio, some people live in FM radio. If you live in AM radio... It's like, oh my God. Oh my God. Ten people coming for Shabbos. There's no food. Uh-oh. If you live in Ephraim radio, it's like, da, 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 da. And the two are married to each other. It's Gavaldic, right? AM looks at Ephraim and says, you're out for lunch. You're irresponsible. You're clueless. You're detached. And Ephraim looks at AM and says, will you ever relax? 
which only gets a, a much more anxious and nervous. Relax? How can I relax when I'm married to a guy like you, who's an FM, who takes no responsibility for life, and if I rely on you, we'll all be sleeping outside, homeless, and the kids will be thrown out of school, and there won't be food on the table. So I should relax when I'm being married to you. And Ephraim, of course, says to himself or herself, it's just impossible. These people are just impossible. Okay. So they go to therapy and whatever. (laughs) Okay. So you understand what I'm saying? So now what happens? When this couple got married... There was tremendous love. There's still very deep love somewhere. They'll probably even die for each other when they fight. Perhaps. Sometimes not, but maybe. But what they lack is they never learn to respect each other as different people. They never learn to respect the individuality of the other as a separate person. They meshed into one. They became deeply emotionally attached and connected They fell in love with each other, but they never climbed in love with each other. They fell in love. They didn't climb in love. And it's very different falling and climbing. When you fall in love, you're just like, whoops! Okay? It's gewalt. You're overwhelmed and overtaken by certain qualities and a certain personality which is deeply attractive to you. Something speaks to you very deep, whether it's the way the person appreciates you or understands you or connects to you or feels about you, whether it's physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual, or all of them together, hopefully. But what I didn't learn, perhaps, was respect, covet. What does respect mean? Respect means we're not one. We're different people. You are you. I am I, and there are things that fundamentally will never be the same. Can I respect that in you? Or will I always be frustrated? Can I respect the fact... They, say, they speak today a lot about the five love languages. What is that about? It means that what may be deeply affectionate for me may not mean much to the other person. So you have, for example, words of affirmation or spending quality time or whatever the other languages of love. For one person... Words of affirmation means the world. If you tell them three times a day, I appreciate you, I'm so proud of you, you're changing the world, you're extraordinary, you're awesome, you're so good looking, you're gewaldic, and you mean it, it means the world to them. You capture their souls. But what happens if a man is not aware of how much it means to his wife, or the wife is not aware of how much it means to the man? She doesn't do it. Not because she's not nice. She may be very nice. She doesn't realize how significant it is because for her it's not significant. Or the other way around. He may not realize quality time or or acts of of service or whatever the other ones are, a physical touch, etc., how much it means to the person. So if I don't know how much it means, I mean well. But I'm not ultimately being sensitive to the fact that the person ticks in a different way than I tick. To give a simple example, let's talk about vanilla ice cream and chocolate ice cream, okay? You love chocolate. He loves vanilla. After years of marriage, he decides he's going to be nice to his wife. Every day, what does he do? He goes and he buys vanilla ice cream. The problem is his wife doesn't like vanilla. She loves chocolate. 
but he hates chocolate. So he buys her vanilla. And she's like, ich. And this is how you appreciate my love? If she would only tell him, I hate vanilla, I love chocolate. And he would tell her, I love vanilla, I hate chocolate. And they would respect the fact that to be married, you don't have to have the same taste in ice cream. That's true, right? I think. Everything would be different. It's a simple example, but it's an important example. So very often, let's say you don't know what language speaks to your husband. You don't do it, because you don't know. And the other way around, what happens? You have couples 20, 30, 40 years together. they both kind people, both mean well, but they could never truly appreciate that the other person needs something else than I need in order to feel my closeness, my affection, my appreciation, my love. And the other person remains hungry, thirsty, frustrated, and grouchy. And nobody knows why. And the reason they don't know why is because they never spend time on understanding their differences and appreciating their differences. They had no ava, they don't know covet. But without covet, the ava can't last. Because the ava works when we both like vanilla ice cream. But suddenly I like chocolate, you like, actually I don't like chocolate, I like vanilla. But if it's the other way around, suddenly, whoops, doesn't work, I don't want chocolate. I'm using ice cream, but you will understand that's a very superficial metaphor for somewhat uh, deeper layers. I know that qualification I would have to make for men, not for women, but I just wanted to do that. Whatever the ice cream is in your life. Whatever the ice cream is in your life. And sometimes it's sad. Sometimes it's sad. A couple once came to me. And it was very interesting. I saw that there's different needs. Mm-hmm. And when I told the woman, I said, you know, your husband is desperately yearning for recognition from you. Compliments. As they call it, words of affirmation. But for her, it meant nothing. For her, words of affirmation meant nothing. That's not what she wanted. So she couldn't give it to him. And he couldn't appreciate what her love language was. The same is true with our children. And it's not only with love languages. It's in all areas of life, including love languages. For this, I have to understand that people's values and what matters to people and their personalities and their needs are very different. If I cannot recognize the differentiation, there is no covet, even if there's ava. And this is the difference between love and like. You say, you know, I really like this guy. What do you mean I really like this guy? I don't love, I like. What do you mean I like? I like means there are qualities here that I could learn from. There are qualities here that are meaningful to me because I don't have them. Or at least I can emulate them, or at least he or she has them in a much greater level than I am. I like this person because they represent something that I can then absorb into my life, something that doesn't exist directly in me. This is what creates respect. So sometimes in our families we love people, but we don't like people. So now come to your father, your mother, your siblings. If you're a healthy family, you love each other, but it doesn't mean you like each other. Because likeness comes from the fact that mothers and children have to understand that they're one, but they're also not one. So there are children who love their mothers, but don't like their mothers. Do you know the patterns? When do children love their mothers? And when do children also like their mother? 
You're afraid of your father. The word afraid gets me afraid. I don't know what you mean by afraid of your father. Afraid of your father, why would you be afraid of your father? Why would you be afraid? I understand the concept of awe, of respect. I don't know what you mean by afraid of your father. If you're afraid of your father because he has a bad temper, or because he abused uh, whoever it is, then I would not encourage that fear. You have to deal with that fear. Because that's obnoxious. If you mean fear in the sense of yira, which means awe, respect, that's a very different type of fear. I don't know yira, say it in English. They taught you in school that you're supposed to fear your father. Okay. That's wonderful. But how did they know it in school? They knew it in school from a Pasuk. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're not out of school in many, year, many years because whatever they teach you in school usually remains embedded in your personality till your last breath. Mark Twain said... Mark Twain said, I never allowed my schooling to interfere with my education. So what's your question? Okay, I don't know what you mean by yira. Again, if you mean by yira, I'm afraid of how you're going to respond because you're temperamental and you're non-predictable, then it's a challenge in the relationship. It's a challenge in the relationship. And if it's somebody I feel that fear from, I have to work on it and have to work on the relationship, if maybe I can't work on the relationship. Whatever, you have to figure that out. If you're talking about year in terms of awe and respect, that's a good thing. Intimidation. So they're intimidating you, or you just think they're intimidating you, or you're being intimidated by them because of your own insecurities. Okay, so that's what you have to examine. That's what you have to examine. Why is this person intimidating me? Is it because they are really, really aggressive and intimidating? And before I finish a sentence, they already give me 20, like Google. You ever see? You start typing in, and they already give you a lot of suggestions. So they're very, very aggressive. So you're asking how to deal with very aggressive people. You have to figure it out. Or maybe they're not intimidating but it's just, I hate myself. So anybody who likes themselves is intimidating for me. Or anybody who speaks with force is intimidating because I think it's an attack on me. So you have to examine all these things. Why is your father so intimidating to you? He may not be an intimidating person. In fact, your father may be a teddy bear. It's just for some of us, if we're insecure, we don't like themselves. When we see somebody with conviction, or sometimes people speak with a louder voice, we're like, oh, 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 my God. So you really have to be able to respect their perspective. Maybe they're not trying to be intimidating. Maybe this is just their personality. You know, you have to figure that out. If they're really, really intimidating, meaning if they don't respect you, then it's a whole other story. So those are the things you have to figure out. That's your homework for today. Why are you intimidated by these people? Is it because they're really, really aggressive? Or is it because you just don't like yourself and you're afraid of them? Yes? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Wonderful point. Beautiful point. 
It doesn't say in the Torah to love your father and mother. It says in the Torah to respect your father and mother. You know why? Because that's a mitzvah. <laughs> that's exactly the point. Love is part of nature. There's no mitzvah to elephants to love their father and mother. They do. Respect is something I have to work on. That's why it's a mitzvah. Why Do you know that the mitzvah of having children is on who? On men or women? Does that make sense? <laughs> why? That's the point. A mitzvah means something that you have to work on. You understand? Women and children are essentially connected. To put it simply, the biological makeup of a woman is already connected to children. But men? No. They want to be on the computer. So God says, get off the computer. You have children. You have children. A mitzvah means you have to work on it. It's a commandment. You don't have to command me to eat potato chips. That's why there's no mitzvah like that. (laughs) You get the point? You have to command me to eat lettuce. That's why there are mitzvahs to eat lettuce. At least that's what my wife told me. There's mitzvahs to eat lettuce, like v'nishmartem ma'od l'nafshoseichem, etc. There's no mitzvah to eat cheesecake. Right? If you're a healthy, insecure, addicted human being, you eat cheesecake, etc. So the reason you respect your father and mother, there's a mitzvah to respect. Now the question is, what if you can't respect your father and mother? What does it mean, kabbadis of it? And the answer is, you can always respect your father and mother, because respect doesn't mean I agree with you. Respect actually means I disagree with you, but I still respect you. That's the whole idea of covet. Covet doesn't mean I agree with every decision my mother made. I agree with every decision. It's not what covet means. Covet means I respect the fact that my, I came into the world through these people's choices. Even parents who are very difficult, chas there's still a mitzvah of kibodeh. I'm not talking about parents who are abusive and dangerous. Then there's no mitzvah. People sometimes think that you have to go back to the lines then to be abused. Chas v'shalom. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about parents sometimes a little more difficult. You know, there's still a mitzvah of kibudava aim. Not God forbid to go to abuse. I know a, a girl who was abused by her father, molested by her father. And she was so wounded, she emailed me, she wants to have a heter. And no, there's no mitzvah of kibudav. She feels so guilty to go back and back and back. I told her, I want to ask a question. If a father has a gun and he shoots each one of the children, there's still a mitzvah of kibudav? It's ridiculous. Kibudav means if he's a father, not if he's a murderer. If he's molesting his kids, he's no father, he's a murderer. Got to go to jail. So people are sometimes so, uh, what's the word? They're brainwashed or indoctrinated. They're so warped. They don't, they're, so, they're so victimized and wounded they don't realize the difference between survival and the lack of it. And then they call, use religion, respecting your father, to destroy themselves and the next generation. All in the name of kibudav. If a guy is murdering his kids, there's no kibudav. He ain't the father, he's a ritzayach. Clear. So kabid, excellent point, thank you. So kabid is means respect. And sometimes respect comes different, but there's always the respect for the fact that these are the people because of whom I'm in the world. They made that choice. And some of you know it's not so easy to have and raise kids. Sometimes you want to kill yourself. Sometimes you want to kill them. And therefore, 
the very fact that my parents brought me to the world, they raised me and they didn't kill me in the process, they deserve some respect for that. They deserve some respect for that. Yes? Nice. Nice. It has a Torah source. Yes, nice. Yeah? Excellent. That's a mitzvah. <laughs> With your father and mother, the mitzvah is to respect, not to love. Because you're biologically connected. With a stranger, they're the mitzvah's ava. Why? You see, that's the difference. Very good. Because kamaycha. Huh? She said, by your parents, it says respect. By a stranger, it says, v'yahafta. doesn't say v'chibadita l'reicha. And what's the reason for v'yahafta? Kamaycha, like you. What's the connection? The connection is because on some level, our souls are one. We are really one. We are not only different, we're also mamish one. And because we're one, I love myself, and if I love my true self, I will love another Jew too, because myself and his or herself are really one part of a larger self. And the Pesach finishes, Ani Hashem. We're all rooted, our souls are one. The souls come into different bodies, but the souls remain one. So therefore, there's two different qualities, especially you see it with children and parents. Very few parents don't love their children. But it's harder to respect your children. <laughs> In fact, we don't even know, do, are we supposed to respect our children? Some people don't think they should respect their children, but it's not true. Love your child, that's natural. Respect your child means understand that your child is not you. And you are not your child. And your child was not created, and I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way, your child was not created to give you nachas. Your child was not created to make your family look perfect. Your family was not created so that Baba and Zayda should sit and say, Ah! Azoifel nachas. If you got that, great, thank God. But that's not the reason dietra of your child's existence. And therefore, I have to respect my child. My child may be a different person than I thought he or she is. And my job in the world is not to make them me, or not to make them their brother, but to make them them. To allow their diamond to be polished in a way that its glitter and its brilliance is true to their existence. So people love their children, they don't always respect their children. That's why Avraham, when he needs a shidduch for Yitzchak, he doesn't go himself to find the Shidduch. He sends Eliezer. Why? Because Avram was very wise. Avram knew that Yitzchak needs an opposite wife than he had. Avram would have chosen the wrong wife for Yitzchak. He would have chosen a wife that he loved for himself. Avram was chesed. Sorrow was gvura. Yitzchak was gvura. Yitzchak was mom's boy. When she heard that Yitzchak is going to die, she died. Yitzchak was mom's boy. Yitzchak was like his mother. He needed Rivka, who was chesed. If Avram would have chosen a wife for Yitzchak, oy gewalt. 
Avram took Eliezer. Why Eliezer? Eliezer grew up in the house, but he was objective. He knew Yitzchak from the outside. He understood what type of woman Yitzchak needs. So sometimes people make shaduchim for their children based on themselves, not based on their children. And it's a disaster. I'm not now talking about real abuse, which means when you make a shidduch for your child, not even based on yourself, but based on family pictures. In other words, based on the fact that this family is good for our family. In other words, shevabrachis is more important than 80 years of your child's life. That's mamish, unforgivable abuse. I'm talking about even if you're making a shidduch, thinking about your children, but based on you. I would like this person. Now, this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean you shouldn't investigate the shidduch, on the contrary. But what you want to be honest is who your child is and what they need most. Not what you would have liked most in the dreams that you dream about your child. This is not ava. This is covet. Sometimes a parent will tell me, I love my child. I want the best for them. No, you don't. You want the best for yourself. <laughs> if you want the best for your child, you wouldn't send your kid to a school that you knew was damaging for him, just that people shouldn't say that this family's kid didn't go to that school. You weren't thinking about your child, you were thinking about yourself. Don't say you want the best for them. You love them, yeah. Parents love their kids, they don't respect their kids. And I don't mean here respect the kids and what some people associate with the idea that you're never allowed to discipline your kids. And you're never allowed to tell your children what the right thing and the wrong thing is. Of course not. Of course you have to discipline. Respect, I don't mean that when your kids walk into the house, you're terrified. Today is a matzav that people are scared to tell their children, no, it's another mishagas. Yes, 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 yes. Respect your children means if you respect your child, you also have to tell them no. (laughs) If you respect people, you have to tell them no. Because you think about their own benefit. The weather agrees with me. Okay, so now we come back, yeah? Now we come back. Talmidi Rabbi Akiva. By the way, oops. You have it with your parents, you have it with your spouses, you have it with your siblings, you have it with your children. I love you, but I don't necessarily like you. I love this person, I don't necessarily like them. Like means, I appreciate you as somebody else. Love means, I feel that we're the same. So how do you get to like the people you love? When you teach each other to appreciate differences. Then you can like the people you love. In fact, in a beautiful family, both dynamics interplay and they're not easy balance. In a nice family, in that theoretical family we all want to have, Everybody loves each other, right? But they also appreciate the differences and then they can have fun with each other. They can enjoy each other. They can respect each other. That's different than love. That's like. It's true with our siblings, with our parents, with our children, with our spouses. But then there is the opposite. You could respect but not love. That with couples too. There are couples that respect each other. They don't love each other. 
They don't find oneness in each other. They don't know how to melt in each other's arms. They just know how to respect each other. Like almost two good business partners who appreciate the other person's qualities. That has the opposite challenge. It's a very different challenge. They're good at boundaries. They just don't know how to remove the boundaries and come together. In fact, the foundation of Taras HaMeshpacha is, if you want, how did God make the system? Two weeks. Love. Two weeks respect. Why? Why? The answer is because love and respect are very different. And each one needs time to blossom. In a time of love, it's a time of oneness, intimacy. Time of respect is a time of distance. Not because you don't like each other. Because you learn how to like each other, not only love each other. Some people think, again, this is another mistake... It's a sad mistake. I'm not going to get into this for obvious reasons. That during the time of distance in halacha, husbands and wives are supposed to be strangers. It's a mishagas. You don't talk, you don't converse, you don't have conversation, you don't... Co- like you're not married. It's the exact opposite. The time, the time when there is physical distance, is in order to develop a different type of relationship. It's called verbal communication. Friendship. Like old friends. You talk about things. You learn to respect differences. You learn to understand that we could like each other in addition to love each other. That's the beauty of it. If it's appreciated well... Each of the two weeks has a special model of a relationship. It's not two weeks we're married and two weeks go you know where. Go out, drink latte with your friends. Go to Rabbi YY's classes. And don't come home and start preaching to me what he said about me. Okay? Go. Go entertain yourself. Go with your friends. Go. I'll go skiing and you go to this. And I don't want to hear about the shiurim. I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear about it. I hear enough from other people. (laughs) Right? <laughs> I always say, I sometimes give lectures on Shalom Bayez. So there's a couple there, right? So they go out, and the husband, she'll say to her husband, Nu, what do you say? And they'll say, You know, he's pretty funny. The jokes weren't bad. She's like, Oh my God, he was talking about you. The whole thing was about you. He's like, What? No, I like the jokes. And this is exactly how it's supposed to work. And I'm going to tell you one more thing and then I want to bring it back to uh, Sphira. This is true also with Jews between themselves, not just family and marriages. I said some time ago, I think it went pretty viral, some, some of you may have heard it. I was once at a conference and somebody asked me, what's the difference between anti-Semites and Jews? I said, what do you mean? And they said, they both don't like Jews. So I said, I'll tell you the difference. Come to an anti-Semite, a civil one, and say, what's your opinion of the Jewish people? He'll say, oh, they're the worst people. They're vermin. But I don't understand. Your neurologist is Dr. Cohen. Oh, he's the best in the world. But your cardiologist is Goldberg. Oh, he's the best. Your accountant is Mr. Weiss. Oh, he's an honest guy. Your barber is Finkelstein. Oh, we've been friends for 50 years. What's your opinion of the Jewish people? The worst of the worst, bacteria. But some of my best friends are Jews, individually. 
Now come to a Jew, any Jew in the world. Go over to any Jew. Say, what's your opinion of the Jewish people? And every Jew will say, ah, me chiamcha Yisrael. You know, they have all these articles and all these magazines. Me chiamcha Yisrael, me chiamcha Yisrael. The chesed, with the bikachoylem, with the av, with the achtos, with the yidin, I give on, and the stories and whatsapps go around with pictures, with stories, and everybody cries and says, tell them, it's gewaldic. The Klau Yisrael, the best of the best. Now tell me, what's your opinion of your sister-in-law? Oh, what a low life. What about, what about your neighbor? Oh, don't even get me going. This person you want to stay away from. What about the person who sits near you and sh- I don't even want to start talking because I'm going to Shmir Salashan classes. What about your other neighbor on the other side? My God, a ganev, a shakran, a gazlan, a terrorist. What's your opinion of this one? Oh. Don't get me going. Please do me a favor. Let's talk about somebody else. What's your opinion of the Jewish people? Ah, You see, it's easy to love Klal Yisrael. What does it take to love Klal Yisrael? People love talking about Klal Yisrael. I ask you, who is Klal Yisrael made up of? It's made up of you and you and you and me and him and her. That's what it's made up of. It's made up of individuals. But you see, I could love the Jewish people, and I do love the Jewish people, but it's hard to respect the Jewish people. Love means we're one, and we are one. Respect means we're not. We're different. Can I appreciate difference or not? That sometimes takes much more work. Can you appreciate that your father is not you, your mother is not you? And they had to make decisions that you maybe would have, you would have made different decisions. Can you appreciate the fact that your father was born in 1930, not in 1970? Yes, you have to appreciate that. Can you appreciate the fact that your father and your mother grew up either in Stalin or, or by Hitler or by children of survivors or whatever? This is respect, it's not love. This is respect of differences. It's appreciating people's different journeys without judging them and getting upset. Come back to Rabbi Akiva. Talmidei Rabbi Akiva lo'inahagu kavod zebazah. You know why? Because they were all about love. V'yahavta l'reicha kamoicha. Oneness. Rabbi Akiva says, Ish v'isha zachu shechino shruya b'neim. God is one. Yud and the Hey are one. It's oneness. That's the beauty of Rabbi Akiva. And who knew it better than Rabbi Akiva? He had a wife who gave her whole life away from him. Her own father excommunicated her and banned her when he saw that she married the simple shepherd. Why? Because she had a kinship with Rabbi Akiva, a faith in Rabbi Akiva, a love to Rabbi Akiva, a trust to Rabbi Akiva that surpassed everything. To the point that she was ready to sacrifice her relationship for Rabbi Akiva. Remember, these are the days when Roman wanted to destroy every last vestige of Judaism. And sometimes a woman can identify the power in her husband in a way that he will never identify it in her. And if she doesn't bring it out, the world will be deprived from that. Just like it's the other way around. And when a woman sees that in her husband... She is the one who could resurrect it. She is the one who could tell him, you have to be the man. You were chosen as this person. Rachel did that for Rabbi Akiva. 
And he knew it. So when he came back with 24,000 students, and she came out to greet him, and the students, you know, you always have a few kanoyim. It's like Viber Arois. So that's what the Gemara says in Ksuvis, Viber Arois. Those were the from students of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva said, stop. Shaliv, shalachem, shalahu. What is mine and what is yours all belongs to her. This is the woman you respect. Shaliva shalachem shalahu. So he understood what Shechino Shriya Benayim is. Rabbi Akiva also understood what unity means. Rabbi Akiva believed that when ten Jews come together, there's a new entity created called a tzibur. And even if you have a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, that's addition of details. But the Kalal remains the same, and therefore he doesn't change the text of Benching. Do you remember what we started with? Because the Kalal remains one. It's a transcendental concept of oneness where all the details melt away into a larger oneness. This was Rabbi Akiva. And many more examples from Rabbi Akiva's life and his teachings and his perspective. But this will suffice. The challenge of his students was, Lainagu kavoid it was an issue not of love. It was an issue of respect. I could love other Jews, but I don't always respect other Jews. We all know that. We have this great challenge today. Jews love each other. When there's a crisis, whoo! But they don't know how to respect each other. They don't know how to respect each other. Some people really feel, if it's not my nusach, if it's not my shita, if it's not my thing, off. It's hard for people to cultivate genuine respect for other people. Superficially, yes, but not in, I'm talking about deep inside. I'm not talking about what's displayed on the outside. I'm talking about inside. To really be able to respect differences, to be able to really create space. That's sometimes harder than love when you are one with your family. And therefore, what is the mitzvah of Svir Saimer? A mitzvah to count days and a mitzvah to count weeks. Now you understand why? What's the difference between days and weeks? What does a week do? It encompasses, consolidates and synthesizes days. It takes Sunday through Shabbos and makes a week. So when we count Sphira, we count days and we count weeks. Weeks represents the klal. We summarize we synthesize, we integrate. Days represents the prat, the individual. Sunday is not Monday. Day one is not day three. They're part of one week, but they're not the same. A week is like a family that has seven children. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it's all one week. But Monday ain't Tuesday. Friday ain't Shabbos, you know that very well. I mean, they may all be miserable, or they may all be joyous, or some may be miserable, some may be joyous. But it's not the same. Wednesday and Tuesday have different personalities. So, Svira Sa'imid is a mitzvah to count weeks. The Klal, Vahafta. But there's a mitzvah to count days. To count days is the individual distinction, the respect for the individual contribution. That's why the Medrash says, we say every morning, Now 
Names. Every star has a different name. You know how many stars there are? You remember in high school how many stars there are? It takes 28 billion light years. You know what a light year is? Light travels 186,000 miles per second. How, long does light, how much does light travel in a year? So take 28 billion light years. You'll get from one side of the stars to the other side of the stars. And that's what we know about presently. And every star has a different name. Shemoy Sikra. But the Navi Yeshayah says that they all have Shem Echa, they all have one name. That's easy. Stars. What do they say? I think it's a legend that the Eskimos have 70 names for snow. When you live in snow, you have 70 names. Jews have dozens of names for God. Whenever you have a relationship with something, you develop all the nuances, so you have many names. Every star has its personality. On the other hand, they have one name. Both are true. There's mitzvah lemimne yoimi, there's counting the days, and there's counting the weeks. There's love, and there's respect. There's the fact that we are completely one and the same, without distinction, and that's very true. And there are moments when that comes to the fore. And suddenly everybody is mamish one, and the differences melt away in a larger truth of oneness. Shechina shriya b'neim, and God is one. Shem is not divided. So ish v'isha zachu, shechina shriya. And when the shechina comes in, there's complete oneness. Because wherever Hashem is, there's oneness. Because Hashem echot. So if you say Hashem was there, it means there was oneness there. That's one component. But then there is something else to be able to take that oneness and translate it into diversity. To be able to understand that there is differentiation, there is the respect, there is the Ava and there is the Kavad. Have a wonderful week. You love your children and you even like your children, but you don't always like what they do. Right. In other words, they sometimes yes. will do something yes. that's either hurtful or disrespectful or, yeah. or um, even... Not something that they do just to us, but someone that they do to somebody yes, else. Yes, or to themselves. So then how do you, then that's not, not loving them and not liking right. them, you're just not liking their actions. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. Um, so how does that, how do you separate? I have to be able to say that to myself. That, that I love them and I like yeah. them, but I don't love what And I may disagree with some things. I may disagree with some things. If it's wrong, then I have to judge every situation. If I'm in a position of influencing them, I'll try to influence them. If I'm not, I don't want to ruin the relationship. So then I'm, I will not ruin the relationship. If I can't influence them, what's the point just to get into a fight? But if it's not going to help, if it's not going to help, you have to know your children. You have to know your children. Sometimes you have to fill it, feel it out. Sometimes you have to feel out the turf, you know. That's my opinion. <laughs> yes, you're welcome. Welcome home. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.